Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I have a fun little Oppenheimer-Kennedy crossover episode for you. So we will get into it, but before we get started, let's do our In the News. Big news story of the past seven days. Okay, this is kind of a spicy one. So according to the New York Post, and I actually saw the video as well, it came across my feed on Instagram, so I'm sure many of you did as well. In a recent Instagram video, President Kennedy's grandson, Jack Schlossberg, has denounced RFK Jr.'s bid for the presidency, and he referred to it as a vanity project and an embarrassment. He accused him of trading in on Camelot, celebrity, conspiracy theories, and conflict for personal gain and fame. Ouch. In the video, he endorsed Joe Biden's candidacy, stating that the incumbent president is the greatest progressive president we've ever had and that he shares his grandfather's vision for America. So that is what the New York Post says. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not getting political. Just sharing the news. So do with it as you will. Next up, our recommendation segment. Of course, then we would uh, recommend it. Okay, this is so obvious, but Oppenheimer. If you haven't seen it yet, honestly, what are you doing? It's so good. I was blessed to be one of the few theaters in the nation to have the 70 millimeter actual film experience. And wow, I mean, I have no words. It was truly one of the most stunning things I've ever seen in my entire life. And three hours went by in the blink of an eye. So, so good. And Anya loved it too. So that's why we put this episode together because obviously. So go see it right now see it as close to the format it's intended as humanly possible and if you can't see it in that format then just go see it anyway because it's so good next up for our inspiring clip of the week one of the inspiring notes this is kind of an obvious uh, one for this here's a clip of the televised address on the nuclear test ban treaty so check it out i do not say that a world without aggression or threats of war would be an easy world. It will bring new problems, new challenges from the communists, new dangers of relaxing our vigilance or of mistaking their intent. But those dangers pale in comparison to those of the spiraling arms race and a collision course towards war. Since the beginning of history, war has been mankind's constant companion It has been the rule, not the exception. Even a nation as young and as peace-loving as our own has fought through eight wars and three times in the last two years and a half. I have been required to report to you as president that this nation and the Soviet Union stood on the verge of direct military confrontation in Laos, in Berlin, and in Cuba. A war today or tomorrow, if it led to nuclear war, would not be like any war in history. A full-scale nuclear exchange lasting less than 60 minutes with the weapons now in existence could wipe out more than 300 million Americans, Europeans, and Russians, as well as untold millions elsewhere, and the survivors As Chairman Khrushchev warned the communist Chinese, the survivors would envy the dead, for they would inherit a world so devastated by explosion and poison and fire 
that today we cannot even conceive of its horrors. So let us try to turn the world away from war. Let us make the most of this opportunity and every opportunity to reduce tension, to slow down the perilous nucleus, nuclear arms race, and to check the world's slide towards final annihilation. Okay, I'm going to put this disclaimer here. If you get mad at me at the end of this episode and you did not listen to this disclaimer, it's not my problem, okay? Because I am going to tell you there may be some things that you would take as spoilers in this episode. Now, history can't really be spoiled, in my opinion, but I am going to talk a little bit about the format of the film, and that may make some of you a little angry, which I totally understand. So if you don't want anything told to you about this movie whatsoever, then probably just hold this episode until after you go see it and then come back to it because then you'll really want to listen to it. So there you go. There's my spoiler alert. Now's your chance to turn it off. Don't get mad at me. Don't leave me bad reviews if you listen and then you get mad. Okay? Capiche? Okay. So here we go. Our sources today are The Digital Fix, History, Deadline, ANS.org, Uproxx, People, Presidency, Digital Spy, Luxury London, and that's it. Okay, so the film is framed partially around the 1959 Senate hearing during which President Eisenhower's nomination of Louis Strauss for Secretary of Commerce is considered. So Eisenhower's nomination becomes the first cabinet appointment in 30 years to be denied, following Dr. Hill's testimony that Strauss was vindictive towards Oppenheimer. Now, this was the era of McCarthyism and the Cold War, which we've obviously talked about a lot. So Strauss was able to take advantage of Oppenheimer's opposition towards the development of the hydrogen bomb and his historic connections to the Communist Party of the United States to ensure that he was revoked of his security clearance and removed from his position as chairman of the General Advisory Committee of the Atomic Energy Commission. Now, go read a little bit if you haven't seen the movie yet or you don't know a lot about Oppenheimer or anything like this. Go read a little bit about everything that I just said because, I mean, the statement of, like, ties to Communist Party stuff, like, puts up a red alert. But go read and see. Get a little bit of his background for yourself so that you kind of understand what I just said a little bit more if you don't already know. Anyway, back to it. At the end of the film, it is confirmed that among those who rejected Eisenhower's nomination of Strauss was a junior senator from Massachusetts, Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, which I'm sure... If you saw it, you like me, got so excited when they said his name. Now, critics of the film have described the reference to JFK as being a bit heavy-handed and nowhere near as clever as Nolan thinks it is. Which I thought it was clever, but that's okay. And it would probably be fair to say that it is one of the most explicit and obvious name drops in the film. But there was actually applause in my theater when, when it was said, so it was a good moment, in my opinion. But President Kennedy was pivotal in the restoration of the reputation of a once highly influential scientist who had appeared on the cover of Life and Time magazine, but whose role in government and policymaking had ended after the AEC proceedings in 1954. It's said that Kennedy even invited him to the White House to apologize to him for like the whole, all the hearings and taking away the security clearance and everything in 1962. And then in 1963, JFK awarded Oppenheimer the Enrico Fermi Award in recognition of his contributions to theoretical physics, more specifically applauding his scientific and administrative leadership not only in the development of the atomic bomb, but also in establishing the groundwork for the many peaceful applications of atomic energy. So Oppenheimer was able to kind of like get what was owed to him a little bit. Now, although the award was signed by President Kennedy, it was actually presented by President Johnson, and that's briefly depicted in the film. 
The White House had actually confirmed on November 22, 1963, that Kennedy would present the award to Oppenheimer. But obviously, as we know, he was assassinated later on that day, and this was two weeks before the ceremony was due to take place. President Johnson referred to the signing of the award, which was presented to scientists who make notable contributions to nuclear physics or benefited humankind through their development and promotion of atomic science and technology as one of President Kennedy's most important acts. He went on to say, I know every person in this room grieves with me and with Dr. and Mrs. Oppenheimer that the late president who gave his all for his country could not present this award as anticipated. And it was with great pleasure and pride that I tried to substitute for him today. Now, since having the Enrico Fermi Award bestowed upon him, Oppenheimer has also, much more recently, had a security clearance reinstated by the U.S. government. In December 2022, the United States Secretary of Energy stated that the initial decision to revoke Oppenheimer's security clearance was the result of a flawed process. So Kennedy's decision to present the award to Oppenheimer was arguably one of a series of moves which have enabled Oppenheimer to secure a position in U.S. history books as an individual who should be regarded favorably and whose contributions should be commended. His appointment as an officer of the Legion of Honor of France and his election as a foreign member of the Royal Society in London also contributed to this. Oppenheimer spent the remainder of his life lobbying for international controls on nuclear weapons and the use of atomic energy. And like Oppenheimer, President Kennedy was an advocate for controls on nuclear weapons, which is why he signed the Partial Nuclear Test Ban Treaty in 1963, which we played a clip of. So that's all I've got for you. I hope you enjoyed learning from this as much as I did. Honestly, didn't know a ton about Oppenheimer before seeing the movie, learned a little bit about him from the movie. Now I've kind of gone down a deep dive of Oppenheimer, and it's just all fascinating. It really is. So Hope you learned something new today. If there's extra that you know about this story, about President Kennedy's involvement with Oppenheimer, anything, send it to me per usual in my DMs or email me, Allison, at KennedyDynasty.com. I'd love to see it and hear from you. If you like the episode, rate it five stars, write a positive written review. Helps me so much. If you don't like it, please don't leave a review. You can let me know in an email what you would like to change. I actually, I take those to heart. I get emails with constructive criticism quite often, and I enjoy getting those because they help me out. So that's the best way to help me out if there's something that you would like done differently in the podcast. But if you love the podcast, leaving that five-star and positive written review is the best thing that you could do for me. It helps me so much. Helps other people see the show. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty. Keep up with everything I'm doing over there. Got a lot going on in work world. And uh, I got to go to the White House last week, which was awesome. We got to see Marine One take off and watch President Biden walk to it. This was for Agent Number Nine, the film that I'm producing about the life of Clint Hill, which is just an honor to be a part of. And being at the White House is always like such a crazy experience. But I don't know, there's something extra special this time because we got to walk through to the South Lawn and we got to film Marine One, which was still the one that looked just like President Kennedy's Marine One, which was fascinating to watch. And um, I don't know, it was like someone we were with said it felt like it was fake. Like it's one of those experiences that you're there and you're present. We're also working. So we're like trying to get the shot and get everything right. But it was like, this can't be happening. This can't be real life. So just honored per usual to be on the grounds of the White House. Um, Got to see the West Colonnade. I don't know. It was just, it was a moment. So loved it. Had an amazing week of filming in DC. Met some amazing people. Saw some amazing things. So go check it out on Instagram. I've got it all there. 
I will be back next week with another episode, and I think you're going to like it. It's about JFK and his Irish heritage, so it's a pretty cool one. I've been asked to cover that for a while, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy the episode. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss when it's available, and that's all I got. Have a good week. Since the beginning of history, war has been mankind's constant companion. It has been the rule, not the exception. Even a nation as young and as peace-loving as our own has fought through eight wars. So let us try to turn the world away from war. Let us make the most of this opportunity and every opportunity to reduce tension, to slow down the perilous nuclear arms race, and to check the world's slide towards final annihilation. is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts.